right, good afternoon and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the next installment of Buddy Guy Radio. We have to take over. Right now, we have very, very special guests, very good friends of mine, Mr. Tim Fick, Miss Bridget Kelly from the Bridget Kelly Band. Everybody make lots of noise for my friend Bridget and Tim Fick. Come on.
We're doing fabulous. Tim, how you doing, brother? How's everything going? Fantastic. Life is good. Doing, man. Everybody good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got that new guitar from Delaney Guitars. Fantastic. Man, I can't wait to see you play it. Honest to God. <laughs> if you do anything like you do that GNR, baby, I know you're going to be in good, good shape. So uh, for all the artists and friends out there listening, if you don't know, Bridget Kelly and Tim Fick are from down in Gainesville, Florida. They've got several albums out. And if you haven't listened to them, you need to go on to whatever musical platform you buy them and check out the Bridget Kelly band. And by all means, uh, check out their latest album, Dark Spaces. It's, it's incredible, man. I play it on Buddy Guy Radio all the time. Uh, but there's a couple albums that I play all the time on the radio. So you guys, if you've been listening to my shows, you know the music. You know the songs. Going to Chi-Town and, and all the rest of the good stuff, man. Uh, what's the one? Uh, the Levy? What's, what's the name of it? Levy and the Bridge. Levy and the Bridge. Levy That's my bridge. personal favorite anyways. But uh, let's get to the questions. I want to bring up some stuff here, and we're going to get into it with Bridget and Tim. Uh, so, guys, when was the magic moment? And you can both answer this with your, your individually. When was the magic moment when you realized that you were good enough to make records? I think I'll start. Um, when I was um, first met Tim, I was a Florida folk singer. And he came up to me and asked me would I work with him and no hanky-panky. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to because um, I was really interested in recording. So we started recording together. And when he brought that first um, Florida folk CD back, I about lost my mind. That was when I first realized that this was going to go somewhere. And what year was that? Ah, 2007.
it's an intro question as to how did you end up in the blues sector that you're in right now? Well, Tim was in a band and I was doing folk on my own. I was playing guitar and just singing, sometimes adding mandolin. And we ended up as a folk duo and he stayed in his band. One day he came up to me and he said, Bridgie, I said, what? He goes, you really need to sing the blues. And I said, oh no. He goes, yes. I go, why? He goes, because you got the voice for it. And I said, I think it will ruin my voice. And he said, oh no. And he went out and bought me like a $10,000 PA and he goes, start singing into this. And that was it. We, that's when he switched me over. He corrupted me into the blues. And the rest is history. You know, that's okay. I'm glad you come on down here with the rest of us. There's good people down here. You know, everybody. Me and, me and Bob Dylan. <laughs> you know, it's funny. People, people say that blues is like the redheaded stepchild of the music industry. And, and obviously, I think they couldn't be more wrong if they tried. Because um, all the different genres of music going way, way, way back, uh, it all, all that music came from the blues in some Absolutely. or another. Uh, whether you're listening to Beyonce or Bob Dylan or, or Jimmy Page, the Rolling Stones, whoever, all that music somehow... It, it all came from the blues. So um, you know, Willie Dixon, hey. Willie Dixon said it right. He said, he said the blues is the roots and the rest is the fruits. And he's absolutely correct. You couldn't, there is nothing that hasn't yep. can be traced back. Yeah. That's it. Hey, Tim, um, Tim, Tim, tell them, tell them about your magic moment when yeah. you tell us your magic moment, Tim. Well, um, I guess it really hit me in about 1984. Um, I, I had an article in, Mark, Mike Varney's uh, column in Guitar Player Magazine, and I was featured in that uh, magazine in 1984. Uh, I was doing a variety of music at the time, really interested in, in, in kind of like progressive rock, but I was also always a blues player from the way back. But it was in 1984, I said, if I'm good enough to be in Guitar Player Magazine and have a little article, I'm probably good, good enough to record some music. So um, and I hooked up in, with Mark Penske in, in the early late 80s, early 90s in Gainesville, and Mark Penske was working with Frank Zappa, who was his engineer for a long time, and I started doing studio work, and it's like, really? I, I, it was an acknowledgement that I could do it. I, I was uh, overwhelmed and, uh, and so happy that, uh, that like a dream, you know, came true. So I, I I, I'm just appreciative of all the mentors that I had.
this world believe in I'm not getting what I need Bridget, Pat, mine was, mine was um, when I first played Buddy Guys, and I'm not joking about that. And like um, that. it was such a thrilling and exciting honor to be in the green room. And then you were there, mm -hmm. and people had driven up from Minnesota, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. um, and that was number one, hands down. It was, it still gives me goosebumps. And then you know, the second one was. Uh, out at Indiana, with uh, when we yeah. did Robert Craig, when we you were there, when you we met, you and I met. That yes, was like five thousand. Trying to 
Fisher's concert. Yeah, that Fisher's concert was probably one of my favorite concerts that I played. We just played it. We played a festival up as well. Um, or it was two years ago. Um, and it was in Michigan. Mm -hmm. and, um, Marquette Area Blues Festival. Absolutely. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh what a wonderful gosh, event. Guys. Well, yeah, so that was an amazing blues festival. Absolutely. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, that was an amazing blues festival. That really was uh, fantastic. And uh, also, you know, there, there's been a couple of, well, anyways, there's so many good festivals that we played, but uh, that was memorable. But that Robert Cray show was really magical. And I, there was something that was in the air that night. And I remember seeing the video playbacks of it and going, man, the band was on for, for some reason. Like we weren't, we were on fire, the whole band. And it was just it was memorable and I, I still if 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 i could only play one show uh back you know that would be the show so nice. um anyways i'm feeling a longing for a time that's passed me by Alone with my feelings And the silence of the night Darker the spaces In the corners of my mind I search for the answers Feel I'm running
such an honor man to play that stage because so many great blues players st- were, were on that stage and i remember the uh, energy on that stage when we came out i could feel right. it on the floor man it was amazing and before and that, wait though, go ahead, go ahead. You. even was before that because remember uh um we were meeting you there and we pulled up in that black, that black uh, suburban and we yeah. got out on, on on buddy guys legends and i was standing there and i'm just like this is my dream i this is my life this is my favorite part of my life in my whole world and it's a and magical you, moment it was fabulous and i i will i will die on my deathbed remembering that moment you know, of, i remember you played i think it was the night or two before that you did a show over at the, the uh, chicago's house of blues uh so that was kind yeah, of a, tune, a tune-up show uh before you got to go <laughs> up and play at legends and, and that show was was outstanding as well um and remember we got the tour all around the inside of uh there's some cool stuff up in that place in the House of Blues. Yeah, uh, but I, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean by that. Where you know you got you got to do something that was just the pinnacle of your career, um, and then you got to come back again and, and do it a second time. Yeah, it was really fun. And he's talking to us now. As soon as things open up, he wants us. So I'm I'm thrilled. I'm I cannot tell you that makes my heart sing and all the angels sing.
the stage presence and showmanship. And you mentioned uh, your mentors just a few minutes ago. Who do you pattern your style after? Or, you know, who are some of your influences, if, if you know, if I can ask? I, I oh my, there's so many people that I look up to. I would probably say Jimi Hendrix. Um, I would say B.B. King. Nice. Um, I would say Johnny Winter. Nice. Um, and, um, I, you know, I love the way Buddy plays guitar, too, because it's, it's really, and, he's adventurous on that neck. And he does stuff, the way he bends notes and things. And I mean, if you throw, throw all that together, um, and, and I think that's what I would be as a composite. It sort a of big blues guitar jambalaya thrown up in there, man. Number 
longer feel the pain. legacy of the blues for future generations go um, ahead Tim well I, I think one of the key components of doing this is, is education and I think we need it you know we need more courses and more uh, workshops and more things like that in the blues I'm doing a new course this semester at the University of Florida I've got uh, 40 people in that course and they're all freshmen and they're all learning about the history of the blues it's called blues music and culture and I'm, we're, t we're taking them back. We're going looking at the, not only the music, but the meanings behind the music. You know, what it symbolized, what it meant to the black community, uh, to talk so much about the music. And these are things that we need to talk about as Absolutely. well. Uh, yeah, so education. And for all those that don't know, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Bridgie. For all those that don't know, Tim is a professor. He's a professor not just a professor of the blues, he's a professor at the University of Florida with the Gators. Tim, tell everybody about that for just a second. And then Bridget, I want you to bring your point back. I apologize. Um, yeah, I'm a, a human geographer who, a human cultural geographer at the University of Florida Department of Geography. Uh, I've been teaching since 1989. I do courses in pop music and culture. I teach other courses like quantitative methods, but I teach a course on the blues and I've been doing workshops and seminars and uh, classes on the blues to continue to educate uh, our young about what the blues is and how important it is as a cultural treasure in America, as an American roots music. And I'd like to be one of your students, bro. Honest to God. Come on down. <laughs> I'm in. I'm coming home. Bridget, you asked right. a minute ago. I didn't mean to cut you off. What, what were you going to tell us? You're good. You're good. Um, I wanted to explain how when I was in college, um, I went in, I walked into the photo lab. I was a fine art student in sculpture and I had to take some photography and I walked in and in the photo lab, they were playing um, Muddy Waters. 
And then I started seeking out. I mean, I fell in love with that. I'm like, what is this? I had never heard anything like that. And I'm like, what is this? And they're like, ugh. Oh, you child, it's muddy waters. <laughs> and so yeah. I started seeking out blues and I looked up, uh, I started going and seeing live music as a, you know, 18 year old. And I was hanging out with Jim Liban in Milwaukee and I started, I fell in love with him and um, he would jump up on the, the stick up on the bar with his saddle shoes. And then I started hanging out with um, Steve Cohen. Yeah. Remember that? I had and him Steve Co- back in the seventies. I had him. Oh boy. Yeah, right. And then um, it was uh, Leroy Airmaster and Steve Cohen, and we'd hang out all the time. And I just was crazy for this music. And I, I, I was, it was through exposure. So for to keep the blues and alive, it's playing it. And like, we've done a couple of really great concerts at Embry Riddle. Um, and those kids went nuts because they just didn't see it coming. They didn't, they didn't know what it was about. And when Tim brought it, they were like, they follow us and it's crazy because we've got these kids following us now and I think oh, that's that cool that you see these
mañana Well, you know, I was going to say that seminal recording called Rolling Stone by Muddy Waters, it slapped me across the head. And it, well, I was like, what is this? My brother used to bring home those old chess records, right. you know, all the old blue stuff. Like, and I was like blown away by it and because I, I had no idea. You know, my brother t- was really responsible for exposing me to so much different blues, rhythm and blues, soul music, all the stuff that, you know, and I, I was very grateful to, to my brother Wally. He was much older than I when he came back from the Marines. I think he was educated uh, in the Marines about the blues, and he came back. He was a huge blues fan.
12, 13, 14, 15 years old, every single year, I would buy like the the season pass to Summerfest. Oh, and yeah. I, I, I cut my teeth on all that music and everybody came through there. And, oh, how and cool is I that? remember, yeah. And, and I remember my mom would let me go on my own. I would just be oh, by yeah. myself, walk around from band to band to band to band to band. You were fine up there. Nobody was going to bother you up there back in those days. Mm-mm. No. Just a bunch and, of people uh, who love music. Yeah. Yeah, the the um, and it was so amazing that so that type of thing. If we can keep live music alive, so that we can that that kid, that fifteen year old girl walking around coming across a stage with Tim on it, or anyone on it, you know, or blues on it, or like yeah. I mean, we saw Robin Trower for God's sake. I mean, this was a big deal, and it was a big to have deal. that. A big deal and to have the live exposure i mean i remember sitting in summerfest in the dark with all the lights and teddy pendergast stepped out wow imagine <laughs> imagine a 15 year old girl seeing that yeah, man. <laughs> i'm saying
Tim, how and why did you pick up the guitar? How old were you when you picked it up? And, and how, what did the guitar say to you when, when you first met it? Well, there's a story about this. I actually wanted to be a drummer, uh, but my dad said, no, like I work hard hours in a steel plant and you're not playing drums. There's no way. So I set on the guitar and I was about eight years old and he, and he uh, was so kind to rent me one of these acoustic guitars uh, to, to bang on. And I played very rhythmically. It was all about percussive to me. And that's why the blues was second nature to me because blues is a, 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 a genre, a musical form, very percussive, very, it was about incantation and percussion. The blues is really magical in that sense. So I took the percussive, te percussive tendencies that I had about thinking about playing drums and, and, and doing it on the guitar, which was kind of cool. And I was learning that a, there were a lot of blues players who actually took that approach. So, you know, even going back to Sun House and Book of White and people like that, uh, the percussive style of the blues was right there. But I was eight years old, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was about, when I turned about 12, 11 or 12, I told my, I had a guitar teacher at the time, and I said, look, I want to learn how to play like uh, like uh, Jimi Hendrix and Buddy Guy, uh, not Buddy Guy, it was B.B. King at the time, I said to him. I said, I want to learn how to play with B.B. King, and he said, well, I can't really teach you that. That's something you're going to have to learn with emotion and time and life experience. He said, you've got to feel the blues. The blues is about feeling yeah. it. Well and he goes, I can teach you jazz chords and stuff like that and take you to West Montgomery land, but he said, but if you want to do that, he said, you got to live some life and experience life and experience, you know, some hardship and stuff like that. And, you know, he was right. So, but I, it, it was a weird journey, but, uh, it all, it all went
deepest of wounds Please won't you come back Free me from the blues Whoa Free me from the blues Whoa Free me from the blues Free me from the blues teenager where you grew up so Tim you grew up in, in Tallahassee not Tallahassee I mean in Gainesville are you from Gainesville originally no I'm I'm from originally Buffalo New York oh uh, wow okay South Buffalo area Lackawanna it's a steel town it's a okay. blue collar and Bridget you're from you're from Milwaukee I'm from Prescott Wisconsin Prescott. near the Twin Cities area okay. and then I went to school in Milwaukee I went to and then I stayed I was in Milwaukee for a long time I moved to Florida in the 90s so what was like life for you guys both as kids growing up, if you hear? Well, sure. I had the best life ever. Um, my dad was an art, a sculpture. He, he got his um, you know, degree at the University of Minnesota. And then my mom, she actually played music all over um, piano. And then she also was the party planner for the institute, the art institute in Minneapolis. And we had kind of a hippie. Um, upgrading where we had a tremendous amount of freedom and we grew up on the Mississippi River. Oh, cool. And um, it was just a lot of fun, a lot of play. Um, and I remember my, my, like, you know, the whole idea of what was teenager. I had a typical USA small town teenage, happy, happy high school, loved it, floats, yep. was a pom pom girl, did basketball, did track, got my letter in track. I mean, I had right. the best time with tons of parties. But I'm going to hand it over to Tim because he has a really good story, too. <clears throat> well, where I grew up, it was uh, just a blue-collar town. And, um, you know, we had uh, 
we had urban basketball. I mean, that was how we passed the time playing hoops, man. It was, you know, the hoops was huge. Uh, I, I just, uh, it was a great environment and uh, it was very eclectic uh, neighborhood that I grew up in. I mean, you could just about see every nationality. I went to a very uh, integrated high school and uh, started learning uh, to play some soul music. My first band I was in, I, I sort of got in a soul, blues soul band. And uh, it was great. It was, it was a fantastic era. It was, uh, it was a learning experience. And it was very multicultural. Uh, we had just about every ethnicity and, and yeah. race and nationality that you could think of. And that was really beautiful because then we really were able to explore other cultures. So it was a very great, it was a great environment. Me too. Don't I let him fool you. Pat, don't let him fool you. He was the cool kid who played guitar and was touring when he was. 16. I know. He, he, he's, I know how that works.
or do you do you warm up your voice before a show absolutely i um i first of all when we're touring i drive myself so that i don't speak i i am very quiet and never speak i listen to music but i don't talk during tours the other thing is when i'm warming up i'll do scales and um um i'll i'll do a trill with the with the scale like that it, it's really great um um and i I, I, the best thing for me is to not use my voice except to sing when I'm on tour sure, sure. and then um, just make sure I'm drinking enough water to keep my vocals uh, right. hydrated and I don't drink alcohol on tour. I don't drink alcohol hardly any, but on tour particularly because it can dry you out and just right. taking care of yourself and like people think tour is funny, is fun. It's actually driving, playing and sleeping. You got to have enough sleep for your voice to exactly. keep it. Why the blues, and did it choose you? I I think I was picking the blues somehow because it seemed like all the forces of the universe kept uh, putting the blues at at my feet, so to speak, like and showing me the road mm -hmm. to walk on. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because my friends would be listening to um, Rory Gallagher, Allman Brothers, and they would say, "Hey, you got to listen to this stuff. It's gonna really, it's just gonna blow you away, right?" And then I had a brothers bringing home, you know, Chess Records and Stax Records, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it was just, it was a weird, strange time, like I said. And and then I, you know, I got, I, I saw a couple of things on television which blew me away. It was Bo Diddley, uh, which really floored me. He he was amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, some performances by B.B. King and some of the records that B.B. King caught, my brother would bring those albums home. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, I just kept getting exposed to it over and over. And that's when, that's what I was saying. I went to my guitar teacher to tell me, I want to learn how to play this type of style of music. So I think it was a music that really chose me. And the other thing is that when I was uh, 11 or 12 years old, uh, not many people notice. Nobody knows this, but I'm going to bring it up. But uh, I, my first, my very first television appearance, I was on guitar uh, on a, a local cable television show playing guitar. It was like 12 or 13 years old. Wow. 
because I used to go to this cable vision uh, place because they'd have like uh, TV things going, programming going on. We could watch from the window mm-hmm. or from the corridor. And then once, once in a while, they'd open up the studio and have the performances so you could actually sit outside and watch it with the doors open of the studio. Oh, cool. And I told the woman, I said, I play guitar and I want to come here and play, play uh, music. Yeah, and and she it. actually said, yeah. And she said, okay, bring your band. So we did. And we ended up playing like a CCR song, and it was a down on the corner, and a and, and a two original song, which was my first blues song that I wrote. So it was like I was going to put my bass on and just thumping that out right now, man. Let's do that. It was crazy. I remember you were Yeah, it was. Oh, it was I love I loved CCR at the time, but I was I, I actually like played them, an original blues song for the first time. So here I am, a young kid playing. It was, it was blues in the key of A, and I I couldn't tell you what the song title was at this time, but. It, it was amazing.
Excuse me. 
does the blues tell you guys? The, the, what story does the blues tell for you? I think the blues tells for me the story of my soul. Mm. Um, you know, I was with, um, we were watching um, Mahavishnu John and Jimmy Herring. They were playing and Jimmy Herring came out and started wailing on his guitar. And I said, that's what my soul sounds like. And yeah. when Mahavishnu John came out, Tim said, that's what my soul sounds like. But with the blues, it's even more the spirit of, of way inside that part that is most often hidden. Yeah. That's, that's the story that blues tells for me. Right on. Timmy, how about you, buddy? Um, it's pretty simple for me. Okay. Um, because a lot of people, you know, like you were talking about, they said, well, you're listening to blues. Doesn't that depress you and stuff? Yeah. First of all, you know, I always took issues with the blues being uh, a music about oppression. Okay. Uh, I'm going to quote Martin Luther King Jr. here because okay. we're coming up on Black History Month. Yeah. Very important. Very, you're right. You're right. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, he said, the blues is not a music about oppression. It's about a music about breaking free. And his quote was, the blues is a triumphant music. And that's what he was talking about. It's about breaking free. It's a liberating music. It's about facing adversity and overcoming adversity. Right. And that's what it means to me. That's, what the, that's, what, that's why it's so, in some ways, I know it's rooted in the black experience. But if you look at it, it's the experience of right. all people. Right. And uh, heartache, tragedy, hardship, that, that will come to us all. And but this too shall pass, and there's Absolutely. the liberating moment, and there it is. There's the answer. That's the the other side of the coin, and that's what where I uh, how I look at. It.
the I think with the pandemic, there was some other real personal hits this year. 2020 was really a dark year, but also I the only way I could get through it was gratitude. I mean, we had a hundred foot by hundred foot deep by hundred foot wide sinkhole that's in our bet in our back neighbor's right. backyard. Right. My, my my father got written up in hospice. Um, mm-hmm. There's just been so many things that you know I won't get into all of it, but right. the only thing that has steered me to the light is gratitude and love, love and gratitude.
sister wings. 